raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Hey, baby Grom, are you him? What kind of question is that? Look at my Instagram. Okay, let's, let's, let's enjoy the mess. Catch me outside. How about that? Huh? Catch me outside. How about that? Catch you outside? What does that mean? Let's get messy tonight, huh? All right, here we go, folks. Let's get messy. This is the Wesson Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Hit the text line. It's 704-570-9610, and it is time to tran. Future and Russell Wilson are at it again. Quavo put out the new song, Turn Your Click Up, featuring Future, to which Future dropped the bar in there, and he said, I got it out the field. Bleep. Russell. Okay, for those of you who don't know, I guess you could consider that half a sub. That was a six inch. Okay, when you're talking in terms of Subway. He didn't fully say Russell Wilson's name, but he gave you half. And these two have been at it for quite some time. Future has done interviews talking about uh, Future and Russell Wilson and their relationship. He chastised her for bringing him around his son a little bit too soon. He said Russell's not a real man in their relationship. Said that if he were her man, that she would not even be bringing up her ex's name and that he didn't allow that when they were together. But Russell Wilson, don't get it twisted. He's been with the petty, too, because he did not allow the Seattle Seahawks to play Futures music during practices and I think before games as well. Well, so. but, didn't, but didn't it happen? And I think it does happen whenever he goes to away games. Won't they play some Future well, yeah, in the he background? Can't, he can't, he can't uh, affect that. Well, and plus, man, could you imagine going to somebody any more different <laughs> than Future yes. to Russell Wilson sure. if you're Sierra? I think he drove her there. I mean, goodness gracious, it is the exact opposite. That is like the exact opposite style coach that you hire as a franchise <laughs> when you get somebody, get, uh, give somebody the boot this is the same thing with russell wilson trying to give you those weird videos and it's very working out on the plane future. yeah do it's, you like do you like uh athletes names in rap bars i don't mind it like this is well, or giving them up to make the uh you know analogies one of my favorite things to do is to talk about the more random athletes shouted out in hip-hop uh, in hip hop songs yes. of all time. Yes. Like some of the best ones. There are some Charlotte Hornets in there, by the way. There's a Muggsy Bogues reference, I believe, in a Tribe Called Quest song that I like to roll with. Tribe would actually give Charlotte, North Carolina, and the Carolina Panthers some love every now and then. My favorite random athlete ever, I think Lil Wayne said, I'm in a way you can't pass like Aaron Brooks. Mm. Aaron Brooks right. being somebody. Now, I also was like, wait, is he calling? the basketball player a ball hog or is he saying the Saints QB can't throw? I didn't know what Aaron Brooks that he was uh, insulting and so that's how you know it's a good bar when you can attribute that to two different players with the same name and insult them in two different ways. Yeah and so that was pretty cool and talking about athletes names in rap bars Lil Wayne opened up the 2023 ESPY Awards he performed the hit single of Millie one of my all time Lil Wayne favorites he changed the lyrics up though to several of the bars he named drop Angel Reese from LSU Damar Hamlin from the Buffalo Bills Victor Wembenyama Deion Sanders Dennis Rodman he had some pretty dope lines I think though my favorite was uh 
you pop them and we pop them like I'm coaching Wimbenyama. That was fire. Okay, that's why Wayne is one of the goats. What well, did you think about that? This is my question to you, though. It's weird now, Wes, because Millie, we're getting on 20 years from that having been dropped. What is that, like 07? Yeah. Carter 3 came out when? It would have been around that time. Mm -hmm. And so when you're talking about some of the younger athletes here, because 07 is now a little bit different. How many people, how many people knew the words to it? One, I would like to know how many people were picking up on the new lyrics that he put in there. Yeah. But also how many people actually knew, oh, wait, when this thing dropped, this was as fire as it could possibly be. That was a huge hit when it, big when song. it, when it dropped. Big big. It's still big. It still rings off. I mean, to give you guys some other lines, he said, I want my NL NIL, so I'm going back to college. Tattoos on my face, you could call me Dennis Rodman. Then <laughs> Angel Reese, he said, and I'm over New Orleans like an Angel Reese and my pencil elite. And Lil Wayne doesn't, he doesn't uh, write either. Well, this is one of those that maybe doesn't make sense. Like, that he's right, over I, New Orleans. I think he's either saying that he's over, like hovering over, or he's over like he's tired of New Orleans because he's been living in Miami for quite some time. No, what I'm saying is if oh. his pencil is elite, but he doesn't write, then that's kind of the stuff that doesn't make sense. This is true. I guess yeah, he was just this saying is like, metaphorically. I ain't got no type. Bad bleeps are the only thing that I like, but yeah. that's a type. This yeah. is one of those types of things. I guess it was metaphorically. <laughs> his pencil is elite. Yeah, that's all, all right. right. I'm still with it, though. I'm still with it. Well, another guy that is elite at making children. Mm -hmm. Philip Rivers, former NC State <laughs> legend. Listen, the man's elite. He's getting ready to have his 10th child. I'd love to see Fitty with 10 kids, man. Just what that house would be looking like. He told AL.com, we are all fired up. Everyone was pulling for a boy. Even our girls wanted a boy, and they are having a baby boy. They said he currently shares nine children ranging from four to 21 with his wife, Tiffany, pointed out that his mom and dad come from families of nine kids, and he initially thought it would be the same for his own clan, but God decided, and I quote from him, they would reach double digits. They're never done. <laughs> it will never stop ending. Philip Rivers' family and the Fast and Furious franchise have something in common where they will just continue <laughs> to turn them out, and it doesn't matter how many there are. If you look, by the way, DJ Skinner's text, he said, Walker is that one friend you consistently want to smack upside the head for reminding you how old you are every time he references anything he used to like when he was younger, right. but not realizing he's actually much younger than most of us LMAO. Yeah, I'll take that. Like, it is weird. This is just the transition I'm going through. I could see you with 10 kids. No, I'm not going for 10 kids. You are crazy. <laughs> you are crazy. You tell me. You are the father here. No, 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 no. No 10. I mean, could you hand... Look. You could know I handle it, 10 kids? Yeah, 10 kids is Man. way too many. I mean, the ranges that they have, though. So you've got enough kids that they're kind of off doing their own thing. You've got the teens that can watch the young ones when you want to go do something. So that is a benefit. Because if you're like, me and mom need to have a date night then the kids can watch the kids but man just the constant stuff the school the hands-on but I, I think when you get to that many kids you have enough older kids that can pick up some of the slack I can't believe Philip Rivers is still doing this. I mean, this is it. Yeah. <laughs> well, hell, Robert De Niro just had a baby. Oh, so that's true. In his 70s. And, so and, what are we saying uh, here? Uh, how much are they going to go for? Like, is this going to be the same situation where you are De Niro? And let's say you have another kid and you're, what, close to 80 years old. 
Could we get to 20 by the end of this? <laughs> I hope I, I think that Philip Rivers and the crew, man, I don't know. I guess they're very religious people that don't believe in protection, and they just keep on going, and whatever happens, they say whatever God allows. Well, at least they got the money to pay for it. I know that. <laughs> Fiddy, I know you've talked about wanting to have a big family as well. Is 10 kids something you strive for? Yeah, no. I mean, the <laughs> most I think I could go for, the most, would probably be five. I want three. Man, I'd love to see five kids with Fiddy. Yeah, Just well. make them all young. Go from about seven down to an infant. Woo! Yeah, that'd be, uh, I can't, that'd be interesting to see what Fiddy is like. What is dad Fiddy like? That's what right. I want to know. How well, he already be. told us that he's going to pretty much let his kids be lawless. So we know the house is just going to be just out of control. <laughs> you told us before when we talked about it, you said that you weren't going to punish your kids like that and you were going to allow them to curse and do different <laughs> things. So It's not that I'm going to allow it. I, I'm, this is, might surprise you. I'm a little bit of a pushover. Right. And so if if the if, if I get blessed with, with cute kids and they give me like the doggy eyes and the puppy eyes and all that type of stuff, I'm not going to be able to punish him. That's why I've specifically prayed for ugly kids that I could punish. Wow. <laughs> okay. Wow. Wow. I've specifically prayed well, for ugly kids. Well, if you have cute kids. kids, Bryce, I'm sure, I mean, uh, Fiddy, I'm sure that you'll be able to come see them and they may still be looking cute when you go see them all in prison because you didn't place any rules on them. That should be a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> we should be in prison. Should be a mainstay. All right, folks. And to close this thing out, man, the Georgia Bulldogs, their offensive line. We know the recruiting is good down in Athens, but when I took a look at this about their offensive line, I mean, it's just astounding. The average weight across their group is 345 pounds. The highest average for any SEC program's offensive line class over the past five years by 17 pounds. They have four offensive linemen who are taller than six foot six and two others that are six foot six. They go six, 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 seven, and three. Not one, not two, but three offensive linemen who are six foot eight. That's ridiculous. I'm sorry, and I know that you're supposed to play football with no fear, but any defensive lineman that comes out and sees a unit like that with that kind of size, you're going to be wondering if you made the right decision to play football. So if you are Stetson Bennett and you have that <laughs> offensive line, um, or I'll ask you, because Stetson Bennett is your guy. Yes. Does that make you think any less of Stetson Bennett, the fact that he had a great wall blocking for him every single time? Well, and and this is the group. Not only this, Walker, they're puppies. These are incoming offensive linemen. Oh, you're saying none of these guys yeah, these are up for young Georgia. guys. I thought you were yeah, talking these, about these already These are young existing. guys. Yeah, these are Crazy. young puppy dogs, if you want to call them that. I don't know what type of dogs come out as big as some of these guys are. But goodness gracious, man. I mean, when I saw that stat, I was just really like, it made my eyes water. I said, you've got offensive linemen that big. That's crazy. It is indeed. You can see Georgia <laughs> becoming what Alabama kind of is. Like, as we see this shift, Alabama would always go for the trenches. They would always have the offensive linemen that were drafted in the first round. And that still happens quite a bit. But now Georgia is going to be turning them out, you would have to imagine. And Georgia... If, if they have another reload type of season, 
where nobody thought that Georgia would be able to repeat because of all the defensive players that they lost. And now, could they do this again because of all the incoming guys that are going to be up front? Is this going to be an, another dynasty in the making? That's the question, right? Like, I, I think Georgia and Kirby Smart, what they're doing down there, it's, it's scary for everybody else. Not only that, Wes, but here we are talking about Georgia on the up and up, mm-hmm. while Alabama... Yes, it's crazy to say that their fourth-ranked preseason spot is one of the worst they've had in quite a while. But I guess it is, no matter how small, a downward trajectory. And so is Georgia really surpassing Alabama as the quintessential school? Two championships in a row. That'll help you maybe get to that point. And to keep the tea steaming, did you see uh, Michael Jordan? I think it was earlier this week when he came out and said that he did not approve of his son Marcus dating one, Larsa Pippen. I did see that, yes. And what do you think about that, man? Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that as a whole? We turn into the gossip <laughs> hour right here. I, Yeah, you really are. The, the keep the tea steaming. Larsa Pippen said she was traumatized? Yeah. My question is, what did Larsa expect? <laughs> like, do you think... I Look, it's weird because... I'm not sure the relationship that Michael has with Marcus, I believe, is the kid in question that is dating Lars Pippen. He's just always introduced and written about as Michael Jordan's kid. Right. But I think it is Marcus Jordan. So I hope that their relationship is okay. But it's a weird spot, especially with Scotty having all of this vitriol towards MJ. Like, you could understand why Scotty might have that for Michael. And I'm, I'm honestly... It makes sense to me that Michael wouldn't approve of this. Well, the thing for me was... It was interesting to me because I wasn't sure what he thought because I know there's been some bad blood between the two, Scottie Pippen going back and forth saying that Michael Jordan is the greatest. He's not the greatest and all these things over the years. So I wasn't quite sure what he thought about it, but it was interesting because then it breaks down to the uh, dad and son dynamic and all of that, man. So that's just a messy situation all the way around. But that was a time to trend, giving you the latest trending toppings. Try toppings trending topics out there but when we come back we're gonna go to the acc mount rushmore defensive linemen are the topic of discussion this is the weston walker show sports radio 92.7 wfnz raise a spoon to grandma who always took all the hungry cousins to mcdonald's for mcnuggets and the play play slide have something sweet in her honor Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Still got a lot to get to. Just got through time to trend. Had a little appetizer for the day on team week ECU rapid fire one thing that we with the coaches the best coaches in ECU history there are a couple of other guys to consider that we didn't really shed enough light on in my opinion yes we want to go and make right on that we did have skip Holtz who was pretty good 
So his record at ECU was five and six his first year in 05, seven and six, eight and five, nine and five, nine and five before Ruffin McNeil takes over and Skip Holtz goes to South Florida. So Skip Holtz is somebody that should be yes, in there. Got, no a t- got a tweet saying he should at least be honorable mention. Got some Ed Emery's in there. Ed Emery had seven and four, eight and three winning seasons. Every other season he had was losing. So I don't know if I'd put Emery just based off of looking at the records. But Pat Dye, another certain honorable mention that could be here too. So yeah. you, if you wanted to argue those guys, then fine. Honestly, I'm not the ECU fan that some of these other people are writing in with their coaches. And so they probably have a better reason than me. But Ruffin McNeil does have the only 10-win season since Bill Lewis gave you an 11-win season in 1991. And that's the only other time that ECU has won double-digit amount of games was under Ruffin McNeil. Went eight and five, ten and three, eight and five in a three-year stretch. Also doing that when transitioning conferences from Conference USA to the American. And so Ruffin was also one of those guys. Fitty hated him, but not because of the character, because <laughs> Ruffin would beat down North Carolina yeah. a couple of times. But is there more? Is there a more beloved media figure locally than what Ruffin was at that time? Because man, people loved Ruffin McNeil as far as the coach goes. He was great. He had the dad grandpa vibes going. So yeah, as far as it. It, well, and you're gonna say Roy? I was gonna say, dude, this. I mean, Roy Williams. Roy was beloved. Is, I'm talking. I guess I'm talking college football. Okay, but yeah, Roy, no, you're that right. Time, That's fair. That's fair. Roy deserves to be. Yeah, Roy's amazing. At for that sure. time, you know, Dabo wasn't Dabo. Um. Well, and and I don't. As far as just overall, I don't know, niceness. Yeah, I mean, look, Dabo's a chotch. <laughs> let's just let's just put that out there. Um, dude, right. Not, not even Larry Fedora's family likes Larry Fedora. Larry is not one that is in the same stratosphere as Ruffin. You're right about that. What about Cutcliffe? Because I've never heard people oh, talk about one. him because he's a hell of a coach. Cutcliffe's great. He's one of my favorites. It's a great one to bring up. Yeah, so I probably him. got a little too forward with that. I probably, yeah. But you're right, Dave Cutcliffe, Ruff McNeil still there, but Cutcliffe is a very good one. Yeah, no doubt about it. He's one of my favorite guys to, to interview, man. He's great. Um, So we'll talk a little bit more about ECU later on. Two o'clock, we'll give you the final predictions, go over the schedule a little more in depth, things to watch for, just the, the last chapter in ECU's Team Week edition. But we have been doing, we've got a lot of imaging for you because we've been doing Mount Rushmore, with it being summer season, Wes has been giving you Mount Rushmore's for the best uh, players at each position in the ACC. Yes. And yes, that means all time. So the defensive lineman is the position up today. So let's go with the first one here. Wes, what do you have for one offensive or one defensive lineman that will lead us who you are uh, etching their face out in this Mount? Well, the first defensive lineman on the ACC Digital Network's Mount Rushmore that you can check out at the ACCDN on all platforms, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff will make Fitty happy. William Fuller from North Carolina, played from 1980 to 1983. He was a 2016 College Football Hall of Fame inductee. He was a first-team ACC all-time team member, according to ESPN. And he was three times named first-team All-ACC. It's kind of crazy because North Carolina has a lot of defensive linemen that they you can do. choose from. 
They so, do. Yeah. And does that one make you happy, Fiddy, that we have at least one Tar Heel and very easily, in fact, you should have another one on this list? Yeah. I mean, it's about time. One of the most storied programs <laughs> in the ACC got some respect on this Mount Rushmore. All right. So we're going back. What years was he active again? 1980 to 1983. So we go going, chronological. We're, we're going back a little bit. So who are some of the more recent um, inclusions that you have, Wes? Well, you want to go number two? I mean, we, we can get there. You know, we're going to go down the line. Yeah, that's what I was asking. <laughs> Whatever you want to roll with. All right. Uh, the next one, Michael Dean Perry from Clemson. He played from 1984 to 1987. He was the 1987 ACC Player of the Year. Three times named All-ACC and had 61 career tackles for loss. That's third all-time in the history of the conference as an interior defensive lineman. So pretty disruptive, I think you could say yes. Okay. Um, what is the next one that you have on the list? The next one, Peter Bowyer. He played at Florida State from 1994 to 96, one of my all-time favorite ACC players. He's a first-team ACC all-time team member, according to ESPN. He was the 1996 ACC Defensive Player of the Year, and he had 34 career sacks, which has him third all-time in the history of the league. I don't know if I would have come up with a couple of these names, to be honest with you. But I also don't know how to gauge who was great when we start to do some research on this and right. the best defensive lineman in ACC history. If you wanted to go with sim something simple, like who has the most sacks in ACC yeah, history, and, yeah. and you're see, not coming up with any of these names. Yeah, and see, I didn't want to do that because I wanted to make sure that we looked at lists and all-time lists and, and time period lists and things of that nature so we make sure that we get this thing right and have a list that at least people can respect uh, very much. I know there's always going to be debate on who should be on, who shouldn't be on, mm -hmm. but I wanted to make sure to source a lot of different material before making selections. All right. Who's the last one? Well, the guy that you probably thought was going to be on here and it was just named a Carolina Panthers Hall of Honor member. Julius Peppers played from 1999 to 2001. First team ACC all-time team member, according to ESPN. 21st century team defensive line member, according to Bleacher Report. And he was a 2001 Chuck Bednarik winner. So Julius Peppers is the one that I would have put on there as well. I would have I would have been surprised had Julius Peppers not been on this list. Um who are some other ones that were honorable mentions that you can The honorable mentions that we had were Randy White from Maryland. He played from 1972 through 74. We had Chris Slade, who is the ACC's all-time leader uh, in sacks that played from 1989 to 1992. And then Mario Williams, uh, he was 11th all-time in the league as far as tackles for loss with 55 and a half. He played from 2003 through 2005. So some of the Clemson defensive linemen, they didn't make it on this list. That, yeah. At least the ones of With recent Christian years. Yeah, Moose was, Moose was asking about Christian Wilkins. You didn't have Dexter Lawrence on that list. You have some North Carolina guys that could have been there, I guess. I don't know how productive a Greg Ellis or... Um, yeah, they were great players. Ecubon Bradley Chubb, was. Chris Long, Refrigerator Perry. Yeah, as was, well. So yeah, these are the these are the the names. It's hard for me to argue this though. Like with the other guys, I felt a lot more solid ground to argue mm -hmm. than these defensive linemen <laughs> that I didn't expect. But yet, this is your list, and I'm glad I got Julius Peppers. That would be the only one that would feel very yeah, good about I mean, arguing. Yeah, William Fuller, and Michael Dean. I mean, these guys are all timers. Both yeah. of them were, you know, just just highly highly touted players while they were in school. William Fuller was a really great pro as well. So was Michael Dean Perry. And, I mean, Peter Bowyer, that was definitely my era of Florida State, man. He was a menace, and he was a really good pro for the 
Ravens and a part of that great 2001 defense. All right, so there you go. That is Mount Rushmore defensive lineman edition. We will get to some of the other positions as the weeks go on and give you some summer radio content. I do want to continue the ACC conversation because we had some news drop yesterday that this fall, the ACC will begin airing football and basketball events on the CW Network, a new addition to the league's Saturday broadcast schedule. The CW, they've secured the rights to 50 ACC games. That begins September 9th with Pitt against Cincinnati. 13 ACC football games will air Saturdays on the CW, which will broadcast 28 ACC men's and women's basketball games through December January and February. The ACC will have men's basketball doubleheaders on the CW every Saturday and women's basketball doubleheaders on Sunday afternoons. Here's the first point I want to get to. It's easy to joke because the CW just feels like it's in a different tier and not one above the other networks that you would go to. Yeah. But also, it's totally fine, right? Like, this is something yeah, when you have games. This is totally fine. This goes into what you're watching at the top of your broadcast anyways. When you're scrolling through some of your network television channels, you're scrolling right through the CW. As long as they have good play-by-play announcers, as long as they have good color analysts, as long as you get some of that ACC feel from some of the more recognizable and familiar names, this is going to be fine. It's hilarious, right? It's not like I would have guessed the CW. I know there were some Pac-12 rumors there. It was a surprise when I saw this. Yeah, so well, I'm I'm saying it's just funny to see that this is the channel that we're going to be going to to watch ACC football and not Dawson's Creek anymore. But yes, it's (laughs) fantastic to see that, yeah, like this is actually a good thing for the ACC in my opinion. Yeah, well, hopefully you'll be seeing my face on on that too because I'm trying to get up in the mix uh, for sure okay but how are you going to do that when you have Wes and Walker you're also going to MC wrestling events so we, oh wrestling too well right. wrestling's not here yet WWE okay. hasn't gotten here yet and so you're you know going to be I'm doing saying? that um, I, I think That's weekend work what other what other responsibilities have we given you over the years uh, or over the, over the months I should say <laughs> well like I said we got Wes and Walker and then like I said we got ACC Digital Network and then the games will be on the weekend that's weekend work. okay alright that, that sounds listen, good I burned the midnight oil mm-hmm. I'll be up prepping getting myself ready uh, for said games. But, no, it's going to be great. I was surprised. I knew that they were looking because the relationship with Bally was done because we had been talking about some of our meetings, just taking you inside a little bit, and that's how I found out about it because I thought at media day they were saying that they were going to be trying to secure that, a broadcast partner, but obviously they've been uh, doing it all alone uh, behind the scenes, and so the CW is the end result. They've got it. And so I've seen people online talking about that they're excited about it because of the access, uh, because I know a lot of people did not have Bally. We know that during the season you had to have a subscription to Bally. And during uh, football season, that was a little bit hard to be able to watch football and basketball games. So now the CW, that's on pretty much every streaming platform, especially if you've got YouTube TV. So you'll be able to see those games. Yeah. Uh, Fiddy, what do you think? Right. Because I know you are one that has been critical of Jim Phillips. And once we get this news that ACC games will air on the CW. What was your first reaction and where are you now that here we are not quite 24 hours away from the news breaking, but 20 hours or so? Well, I mean, you know, look, he said he was going to be creative and putting the CW on your distribution platform is creative in its own way. Raycom is going to produce these games though. And so for me as a lifelong ACC fan that watched many important Carolina games on Raycom, this definitely does excite me a little bit. Can we bring back the old Raycom graphics? You could definitely tell we're a touch below what you got at ESPN or Fox or CBS, but I always enjoyed them. So 
the thing I wonder is how is this going to impact people that already have like 17 different streaming platforms? Are they going to be able to find the CW easily enough to find the football or the basketball games they want to watch? Well, I think it'll be easier than Bally. Yeah, I do too. Well, and plus this is on, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, it's, it's on your normal streaming platforms yes, anyway. And so when you're, uh, so let's just take yourself into your living room on a college football Saturday, right? When you're there and you're scrolling through some of the games, if your favorite team isn't on, but you're still a fiend for the sport and is a fiend for the conference even, when you're scrolling at the top of your guide, you're going to see, you know, one ACC school versus another, and it'll be right there, easy to click on. I mean, it, I know this is, it sounds ridiculous because here we are just talking about, well, how easily accessible is it? But it sounds <laughs> like it's going to be pretty damn accessible, which is what you want, and you have a good deal with the ACC. Well, the thing is, too, even if you had just an over-the-air antenna, I know a lot of people don't think that people get those anymore, but there are some people that still uh, have those as well. Even if you had that, you'll still be able to see these games. The CW is a part of your basic local channel package so any streaming platform that you've got that will give you access to local channels you should be good to go and even if you have nothing at all but an over-the-air antenna you will be able to get these games and so how about you with basketball too fitty because i know college basketball that's something you care a little more about is it the same type of feeling that you're going to get watching college basketball games being produced by Raycom on the CW as here we are talking about football. Oh, absolutely. Especially if our guy, friend of the show, Mike Jeminski, shows up on these Saturday broadcasts. That's right. You know, I mean, like for like for me, this would like just take me back to my youth growing up watching these games. Was it like Channel 55 was what they would come on during the week? And then, of course, you'd have Raycon games on CBS on Saturday. So... I mean, you know, I, I'm excited, but this is this is what you got to do when you're stuck with the TV deal that the ACC is stuck with, and it has hindered them from making the money that the SEC and the Big Ten have made so far. So, but I'm never going to complain about seeing our local product available locally for people to watch ACC football and more importantly ACC basketball. Now, one thing I don't know how many people are wrestling with this, but maybe you are. The CW also collects money from Live Golf to broadcast that tour, and that has not helped its perception for sure. Anytime a new network enters into a sport, people are going to question it too. I mean, there are some channels that still get criticized or are the butt of the joke, such as True TV when we have March Madness roll around. So I, I do think, though, that with March Madness being an annual event, that you don't watch it at all for a very long time because it's not even that True TV has regular season college basketball games for <laughs> yeah. you. So out of sight, out of mind for a while, every time it rolls around in your life, it rotates back into the sun of having the jokes fall upon them all the more frequently. But when you have something like the CW, which you'll be tuning into every week, it will become relevant. It's not going to be this thing that only goes into your life annually. It will be a part of your life from September, October, November, December, and then going into college basketball. Like the CW will Through be, March. If, if you like sports, then this channel will be relevant in a way that even True TV isn't, which still gets a ton of jokes about it. Like, hey, True TV, where do I find it? Which is, you know, <laughs> it becomes a cliche every single year. That's not going to be the uh, that's that's not going to be the case here. You try to find it, but it's not true. Fitty, do you like that or not? I don't know, Fitty. What are you doing? Are you on a Mets game or something? Like you're eating a Snickers, you're looking at a phone. I was looking for you for a dad joke to get it like a but don't. Shh. But you're doing something else instead. 
I was eating my combos that you bought me during the break and reading an article about my upcoming flash. <laughs> After eating a Snickers. I uh, know. Okay. All right. So do we just get to the flash now? Anything else that we wanted to talk about the CW? Is uh, that give good? Me, give me one second. No, we love it, Of though. course we got to give you one second. All right. Now I'm ready. <laughs> All right. Go ahead, Fiddy. Just give us the flash. Fiddy. Do you want more tennis talk, or do you want to hear about the news regarding Shohei Otani? Give me Shohei. All right. Novak Djokovic reached his ninth Wimbledon final earlier today. He's going for his eighth. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I'm taking Um, my combos back. John Morosi (laughs) of the MLB Network, about three hours ago or so, Made it known that the Angels, who coming out of the All-Star break, are one game above 500 and one and nine in their last ten. They are going to field offer for Shohei Otani at the trade deadline this upcoming year. The Yankees and the Dodgers are the two teams you're going to be uh, told the most are going to pursue him the hardest. The Yankees need someone to help with the absence of Aaron Judge, the Dodgers' endless supply of money and resources. The team to keep an eye on. Is the team that just hosted the All-Star event. Seattle. Is Seattle because Mm. Shohei has spent the last two years in the offseason living in the Pacific Northwest. Wow. And I would imagine he's a big fan of coffee. Well, if you'll remember, too, when Ichiro Suzuki was here, everybody still actually likes Seattle because of Ichiro's presence on Seattle. I know Smoke made this point, which is a very good one, too, on the Kyle Bailey show, talking about how, at least time-wise, they're a little bit closer to Japan than, say... New York would be. So mm-hmm. that would make sense there. Plus, if you guys remember when Shohei Otani was coming over to the MLB, remember Seattle was in the running then? And so yeah, it it was going to be dicey whether he was going to go to the Angels and play with Mike Trout or go to Seattle. And we can all remember, I don't know if you remember the Mina Kimes viral video of her being so upset on Around the Horn once the news came in. But now she might be excited because he might be playing for his favorite team. So, yeah, this very well could happen because we've seen his interest before. And there are also ties to Shohei Otani um, and uh, a team that he was pulling for back in the day because of Ichiro's presence on that squad. Let's go, Shohei. Come on down to Seattle, baby. You would like, oh yeah, because you're a Mariner fan. That's I right. Yeah, copping like, the jersey as soon as he signs the paper. That will be plus the unis. Yeah, I, I have no problem saying Seattle has among the better color palettes of all time. No, it's got a great unis. It's a great. It's a great colorway. Fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. Let's go to Flashback Friday. I got some tennis in there. We'll do that coming up next. Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Let's go back in time. It's Flashback Friday. Let's go way back. Way back in time. Because it's Friday. You ain't got no job. 
Uh-oh. What? My time machine has been activated. Time machine? I didn't know you had a time machine. All right, Rupert. Prepare to time travel. It's Wes and Walker taking it back to July 14th, 2019. So four years ago, that's where our time machine has taken us. You ask for tennis, Fitty? Well, I'll give you some tennis highlights. How about your boy, Novak Djokovic, beating Roger Federer in a match for the ages, winning Wimbledon after all Federer had to do was win one more point, and he would have had a Wimbledon title, but Djokovic battled back and then eventually would win at center court, which of course would prolong his streak, one of the more impressive streaks in sports history, and certainly currently... Do you remember that match and how great was it when you were watching it real time? It was, it, it's probably a top three match I've watched all time. Like, you know, Rafael or, or, or Nadal Federer of 2007, 2008, whichever one at Wimbledon that had a, was so great that they wrote an entire book on it. Crazy. Is up there. Um, and it was like probably the point where like I knew like, okay. My guy, whenever you talk about the all-time greats, he's going to be mentioned in the same breath as, you know, Federer, Nadal, Sampras. So we, we got a great one on Sunday with Alcaraz just advancing to the final. It's must-watch TV. I might skip church <laughs> so I can watch this thing in its entirety. It's going to be fantastic. Um, the other question that I had on the rundown that day, four years ago, where does Federer's reign and longevity rank in sports? We have since seen him retire. That was the last shot he really had to get a Grand Slam single. So after that took place, the longevity is incredible with Roger Federer. He is a goat of goats. When you talk about the greatest of all time at every single sport, Roger Federer deserves to be in that conversation. Now, you could argue he's not even the greatest in tennis history, but still he deserves to be in the conversations of the, for most people, Fiddy, Serena Williams, and then you talk about Michael Jordan, and then you talk about Tom Brady, Wayne Gretzky. I do put Federer in that light. Wes, even not being a tennis connoisseur, yes. do you feel like Roger Federer should be in that conversation when we talk about the greatest of all times? Yeah, in no doubt sports? about it, man. I mean, he was was one of the most successful players and definitely of this era so no question about it is he to tennis what lebron is to basketball he might not he might not be the goat i because I, I think djokovic is going to put himself so far ahead that djokovic is going to go down as the greatest of all time yeah djokovic isn't slowing down he's still distra- i mean he's playing i mean what, has he played better tennis ever right. than what he's doing right now yeah, i mean it, I, I would say no but was is Federer's career is kind of like LeBron's, maybe the best overall career where you have the longevity. He played through different eras, ushered in different eras of the sport, and still won and competed at the highest level. That's where I think it. That's what I think about his career. I don't think it's an awful parallel. I think there are some inconsistencies with it yeah. because of the championships, but I don't think it's an awful parallel because you are going to think as one guy as the GOAT, but it is going to be a crazy impressive resume once you're all said and done with what Djokovic is about to accomplish. And here we are talking about longevity. That's another parallel you could have to LeBron because if Roger Federer was starting to break down at his age more so than what it looks like Djokovic is going to do, maybe that's another comparison you can have. Uh, when, when is when is Djokovic going to be overtaken? Like Alcarez is the guy, and I guess we'll see it this weekend. That will be a monster matchup between the two. 
but he just keeps on winning. And this is also somebody that sacrificed. I don't want to say sacrifice. That's the completely wrong word, but did not play in the Australian Open, a tournament that he dominates. So he could have had a couple of other Grand Slam titles. Yeah. And so you look at the, like I said, the 20 Grand Slam singles titles that he's got now with the LeBron comparison. I mean, there are a lot of people that compare or to say that LeBron is the GOAT. That's a big raging debate, but I don't know but that. So, same thing with Djokovic and Federer, though, I yeah. would say. So people go back and forth with that, man. So I guess it's all in who you like the most, but Djokovic is still rolling. So I think he's going to put the records out there to a place that is going to be hard to catch. Um, July 14th, 2019, we would transition into some Carolina Panther talk. And Dan Graziano was on NFL Live heading into one of the, I guess, heading into that offseason, talking about a breakout candidate at the wide receiver position. His number one option? Well, it was DJ Moore. And he was right, by the way. Rookie DJ Moore finished with 788 yards on 55 receptions with only a couple touchdowns. But the next year, in 2019, he finished with 1,175 total receiving yards on 87 receptions, only four touchdowns. We've documented that. We've discussed it quite a bit during his time here. But that was a big old step up from rookie season to sophomore season. He played five years here in Carolina. He got traded for the number one overall pick, Wes. Now he's playing in Chicago with Justin Fields. How good of a year do you expect him to have this season? I think he's going to have a, a pretty good season because Justin Fields, a lot of people just don't know. He hasn't had the requisite weapons there and offensive line to do much of anything. But passing is his pedigree. This is one of the most prolific passing quarterbacks coming out of high school and the college arena. So I think that now is his time that he's getting the weapons and the guys around him to be able to do what he needs to do. And I think we're going to see a lot of that passing talent from him. And DJ Moore will be the beneficiary of that. All right, let's go back three years ago. So now we are in the year of 2020 on July 17th, traveling around in our or July 14th, traveling in our time machine. Bill Barnwell, he had Carolina's offensive arsenal, offensive weaponry, fifth in the NFL. He had them as the fifth-ranked unit when it comes to all the pass catchers and the skill guys. Number five in the NFL. Of course, it started with Christian McCaffrey, who finished with the third most yards from scrimmage in NFL history coming into 2020, scoring those 19 touchdowns. But also, you had DJ Moore. You had Curtis Samuel. You also brought aboard Robbie Anderson. They had a fantastic receiving core here in Carolina. Problem is... QB wasn't hitting at that time because that was at the end of Cam Newton's reign. You were trying to usher in Kyle Allen, Teddy Bridgewater. And now here we are where most pundits have Carolina at 32nd or 31st, Wes. It's been a large drop from DJ being traded, Robbie Anderson falling off of the edge of a cliff, no longer having Curtis Samuel. And even if I don't think it's as bad as what people are saying right now, clearly it doesn't hold a candle to what they were in 2020. Yeah, and so this unit, man, they're going to have a lot to prove. There are going to be a lot of people that are going to be down on them. And then, like I said, you have others who think that they could be serviceable. I think this is a great core of skilled talent for Bryce Young because you don't have a guy that he has to worry about forcing the football into. So I think it's a good group for him, a nice starter kit, so to speak. All right, last one I thought was funny. JT Daniels got the okay in 2020 to play for Georgia. The question was, how does that affect Jamie Newman? 
And what's it like when you have to compete against a relevant name that is brought into your position? But what's really funny about this is that he got the okay to play at Georgia at 2020. Little did we know that he would be the example and the poster child for transferring to big-time university after big-time university. Started at USC, then goes to Georgia, then goes to West Virginia. Did he go to Pittsburgh? You no, know he's at that? Rice now. Is he at Rice? Okay, there you go. Bang. Yes. JT Daniels, man, one of the like that's the name I'm always going to think about when we talk about transferring from university to university. When people talk to him, he's just going to have to say, "I went to college," because at this <laughs> point, he doesn't have an alma mater to be able to cling to. He's been gone from so many places pretty much as soon as he's gotten there. I mean, dog, when are you going to understand the writing on the wall? You are not the marquee quarterback that you think you are. Just stay in a place, get your dog on degree, and get to that State Farm or that Progressive or wherever hmm. you're going to be selling insurance. Uh, for the rest of your life until you find something else or start coaching high school football. No knocks to those professions, but listen, man, you're not an NFL quarterback. It's not in your future. He's been to 100 schools, so like I said, when people talk to him, he's just going to have to say, I went to college. <laughs> Let's live in a hypothetical world really quick. Really quick. Let's just say he becomes an NFL player, becomes a starting quarterback, plays on Sunday Night Football. What would his introduction be? Uh, it's a great question. I mean, if you had to choose between the schools, he had the best year, I guess, at West Virginia. But I have no clue what you would say. I mean, because Russ combines two schools. How do you combine four schools into one intro? Oh, a, whole, a whole pack of Badgers. All right. So if we have USC, we have Georgia. I'll just say West he went to college. Yeah. Um, college. <laughs> I don't even know what you would say. You would have to come up with something. He just goes to the high school reference because he doesn't have a college to claim. He could do that. <laughs> He could pull the Willie Parker, because Willie Parker used to do that, because yeah. he didn't like North Carolina. Maybe JT Daniels just does that as well. That'll do it for Flashback Friday. We'll bring it back to July 14th, 2023. On the other side of the break, it's our final ECU segment of Team Week as we launch it, and then we move on into App State next week. Final predictions going over the schedule. It's coming up next. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.